0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Inspired Love Program is now open for enrollment. If you've wanted to work with me in 2023, this is your opportunity, and you can apply now by going to inspiredloveprogram.com. When you go to that page, you'll have the opportunity to look over some information about the program. You can send in your application if you're ready to apply. And once your application is approved, you'll be able to book a discovery call with our team to find out if this program is the right thing for you. I'm very excited about what we're gonna be doing in the program this year, and I want you to be there. So if you feel like this is the thing for you, go apply now and we cannot wait to meet you on your discovery call. Okay. And, uh, welcome everybody. Welcome back to the conscious love show excited about today's episode. Um, today I want to talk about the addictive emotional cycles that we get trapped in and the corresponding brainwave states and kind of how all this works together and how we get activated into this. Um, the, the reason where this is kind of coming from today is I've recently been diving into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with Joe Dispenza and the work he does. He's really, really an incredible teacher. What I mean, if I were to say anything about him, I'd say he's really like a meditation teacher, among other things. But he, you know, he teaches about uh, vibration, manifestation, you know, creating your life. He teaches about these kind of things, but he does it from a very scientific perspective of what's actually happening in the brain and body as we're working with these different emotional states and brainwave states, and and really talking about the hormones and the different uh, the different things that are happening in the body as we're going through this. So a lot of what I've probably talked about on the podcast, or you know you might have heard from similar teachings or other things, well he actually breaks it down from a scientific perspective of. The corresponding, you know, as I said, brain and hormone states and what's happening in the body as we're we're manifesting or or as we're, you know, experiencing our emotions and things. So I really appreciate his perspective on it. I watched his series on Gaia a while ago, and I recently just started um, reading his book. Uh, I think it's called Becoming Superhuman. I could, I could be getting the name wrong, Um, but it's, uh, oh no, Becoming Supernatural. That's what it is. And he he's really just he's talking about these um stuff that we all we all experience. And for me it's really helpful to be able to understand it like, okay, I, I get it, I can I can recognize my emotions, I can recognize my anxious thoughts, I can identify the voice of my ego, but to really scientifically understand what's happening in my body and being able to merge these things together has been really powerful. So Um, as I've been doing some of his meditations and reading this book, it's really been standing out for me. And I wanted to share about some of the things that I'm learning and, and, uh, and what I'm recognizing about myself and the people I work with as, as this is happening. So to start with this, I want to start by talking about the different brainwave states. And there are four major ones. There's, uh, there's Delta, Theta, Alpha, and Beta. And so, delta is like a deep sleep state. It's like a deep, restorative, healing sleep state. Theta is kind of like, uh, you know, when you're when you're borderline falling asleep, but your mind is still like kind of awake. So your body is like basically in a sleep state, but your mind is still kind of awake. Some of you, some of you may know that state. I know, like I often feel sometimes when I'm going to sleep, like there's like a lucid state before I fall asleep. That's a that's a theta state. Okay, so body's asleep, mind is awake. Then you have the alpha state. The alpha state is a waking state, but it's a state that we get into a lot of times in meditation. It's a state that we get into when we're very relaxed. This is the state in which intuition operates. And I was really I was really excited when I made this correlation about brain states and intuition and meditation because something we do in the inspired love program is that, you know, like one of, one of the main focuses of the program is to learn to operate more from an intuitive state. And this is something I've been practicing for years is, you know, relaxing my conscious or my, yeah, my conscious thoughts, but my intense conscious thoughts, right. Relaxing them kind of uh, in, in my experience of it, it's like, kind of like I drop below them. You could say like dropping from a head to a heart space in a sense, but it's like, I drop out of the active conscious mind into the heart space or into this kind of intuitive center. And there's, there's a a state in which you can receive guidance or I call it like inspired guidance. It's kind of like, Sometimes it's a direct action or sometimes it's it's a feeling that kind of moves you into a certain thing. Sometimes it's a recognition or an understanding of just being able to see something in a different way. And because I can see it in a different way, I can therefore act on it in a different way. But... Uh, regardless of, you know, all those things are are part of it, but the alpha state is an intuitive state. It's an inspired state. That's why I called the program inspired love actually, because it's about getting into a state of being inspired and living your life from that place and allowing that inspired state to bring you towards love and partnership and joy and connection and all the things we want in life. Right? So, so the alpha state is really where a lot of that happens. Now, the beta state is above the alpha state. And the beta state is is uh, actually categorized in three different parts. So you have low beta, medium beta, and then high beta. Low beta is is like if you're maybe very focused on a project at work. So your mind is active, right? It's not, it's not an intuitive state necessarily. Like your mind is active. Your mind is working. You, you might be focused on a project or giving a talk or, or doing, you know, actually, you're you're consciously using your mind to focus on something, and, and your mind is very active. That's a low beta state. But there's also a relaxedness about it, right? So it's not a high anxiety state. It's not a stress state. It, it's an it's an easeful state in which your mind is focused and active, and you're and you're doing something with it. The medium beta state. We could say maybe like I would be in a medium beta state right now while I'm talking, I'm hosting this conversation. We have people listening. So there's like uh, we could call a medium beta state like stressful, but a healthy stress. It's, it's a stress that is, that is healthy for you. It's helping you grow. It's helping you improve. It's, it's an alert state, but it's not, uh, it's not, stressful and in a negative way. We'll say that. The high beta state is where the negative stress comes in. And the high beta state is basically a survival state. And that's a lot of what I want to talk about today is how we get thrown into this high beta state. We become emotionally activated when we're in this state. And then we tend to recreate or perpetuate this state and the kinds of past experiences, that this state comes from. So the high beta state, you could think about it like it's a survival mechanism. And when I see somebody saying that's me, that's a lot of us, right? We, our our culture and our society is very much living in this high beta state, this very intense state of almost anxiously trying to hold it all together, anxiously trying to make it happen. Now, biologically speaking, and some of you might've heard this, it's like we, The state is good for us biologically because when, you know, historically speaking, when we were living in the jungle and we would get chased by a tiger, like this is the brain state that we would get activated into. It's like your life is in danger. You got to run, you got to hide, you got to climb a tree, you got to do something, but like your survival is at stake. So this high beta state is actually a, a survival state and it's important, like we we need it. It's not that we should necessarily get rid of it. But what's happening for us in in this high beta state is that we basically feel like we're being chased by a tiger. We feel like we are in literal danger, like our life is about to end, and like we need to do something immediately to fix it or to, to protect ourselves or to save ourselves. And most of us this, this kind of high beta state was wired into us in childhood because most of our parents were living in this too. And and the culture that we were raised in was often living in this. And even in even like at school, when we're talking about getting good grades or achieving or being top of the class or being the best at a sport or on the cheerleading team or, or whatever it was, like a lot of this is driven by this kind of anxiety, competition, performance, high beta type thing. Now, this high beta state creates stress in the body. And Those of you who like me, uh, struggle with anxiety, struggle with a lot of fear thoughts, struggle with a lot of projecting into the future, a lot of what's going to happen. When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? What can I do to anticipate it happening and, and make it better? Right? Like a lot of us who live with these kinds of anxious thoughts and excuse me, anxious feelings, it's all generated from that high beta state. It's this really active brainwave state. The, the way I talk about it, if you listen to my podcast and stuff like this is a very active ego state, right? It's where the ego, which the ego is the survival mechanism that's attached to the body, right? There's, there's not really an ego in spirit. The ego is an identity that gets created around the body. And in this high beta brainwave state, the ego is very, very active. It's like, it's like the ego is supercharged and it's like hyper control hyper making it happen, hyper figuring it out, hyper inserting myself into the middle of the situation to see what I can do to make it go differently, right? But now what I want you to look at is how this state is generated and how the state is perpetuated. So I hope I've seen many of you saying, oh, that's me Yes, I get that. I I, I feel that. I, I can recognize when I'm in that state. All right? By the way, if that is you, if, if you understand what I'm talking about right now and you can recognize when you're in that state, just tap that heart a few times. I want to know, I want to know if you're following me on this. All right, so if you can recognize that high beta state when you see it in yourself, just tap that heart a few times. What this what this state does is it activates emotions, right? It it activates uh, an emotional response to it. And the emotion kind of drives us into some kind of action, right? So the the uncomfortable emotion drives us into action around it, makes us want to do something. So if you're sitting around going, should I text? Should I call? Should I not? What do I do? Maybe I call a friend and I talk to them about it. Like that's all coming from that high beta state. It's this need to like insert yourself into the situation and, and make it different, make it better. It's like, it's like, again, it's like, imagine if a tiger was chasing you, like you wouldn't just sit down and be like, Oh, Kumbaya, you know, just accept the tiger chasing me. Right? Like you wouldn't do that. If a tiger was chasing you, you would literally be running for your life. Right? So when somebody ghosts you, or when somebody is not responding to your messages or whatever, whatever other version, you know, you fill in the blanks, the things that trigger you into the spot. But it's like, you know, the thing to do in that moment is to kind of be like, okay, kumbaya, whatever happens, happens. They'll text me when they text me. You know, I'm, I'm just going to be an acceptance of the situation. But you can't do that in a high beta brainwave state right? Your ego is highly active. It wants to assert itself into the middle of the situation. It wants to get extra involved in it and it wants to like fix it or make it better or make it happen. And what we do when we get thrown into this state is we generally run situations into the ground. When we're in this state, What's actually happening is, is it's a, it's a programmed experience. Like I said, many of us started getting into this brainwave state in childhood and we did it because this is the state that our parents operated in. And, and, you know, and especially if we grew up in traumatic environments, especially if we grew up in environments where we maybe physically weren't always safe or didn't feel always safe, especially if you've had, trauma in your life where you don't feel safe. If, if rape has been involved or, or molestation or, you know, physical attack, like, you know, for me, I, I was never raped or molested or anything like that, but I did have a period of my life where I was involved with the wrong people. And I had to worry about like people breaking into my house in the middle, like literally one night, two, two big dudes, a lot bigger than me, broke into my house. They beat me over the head with a pistol and left me there to die. And they robbed my house and this was the, at the, at that time in my life, it was the kind of people I was surrounded by the kind of environment I was living in. And that was very much a result of the trauma that I experienced from my dad. And you know, he kind of, he kind of just walked me into that life and then, and then I took it on and it became my life. And so, you know, that was like kind of my trauma and others of you may have your own trauma that may be similar or different to that. But, the trauma activates the survival state. And it activates emotional experiences that go along with that survival state. And then what happens is you might be in a situation where you are completely safe. You are completely okay. Like, you know, if somebody doesn't call you back or doesn't text you back, your life is not in danger. If somebody ghosts you, your life is not in danger. You know, there's nothing that bad that's going to happen other than you're just not going to talk to this person anymore, which is actually okay. But but what happens is it activates your trauma and the same, the same emotional experience from when you were a little kid and you were being abused or from when you were older and you were in a violent situation or from when you were, you know, let down and heartbroken at some point, but the same emotional experience is activated. The same brain state is activated. And what happens is we become addicted to that state. There are actual chemical hormones released in the body in that state, uh, namely uh, adrenaline and cortisol among others, but those are the two big ones. And these chemical hormones actually serve as like a drug and in, in a, our own weird way, we get high on these chemical hormones and it becomes like an addiction. And so the ego is constantly pushing, fix it, fix it, fix it, change it, change it, change it, make it different, make it better, solve it, do whatever you can call them, call someone else, call your friend, you know, think of the right message to send and then send it. So they're going to want to talk to you again and and all this stuff. And the ego is like, push it, push it, push it, it, force it, force it, force it to perpetuate this high brainwave state, which perpetuates this emotional experience, which releases these hormone chemicals in the body that keeps us hooked, that keeps us addicted. And there is, there is no winning in this state. Like, and this is the, the core of, of so much of my work is, is really saying that we've got to get out of this state. We've got to get into a regulated state. We've got to get to a place of peace. We've got to get to a place of acceptance. We've got to start to live our lives and operate from a space of i can i can really be okay no matter which way it goes i can really be okay you know if this person calls me again or if they don't like i can really be okay either way so how do we how do we do that how do we get there right what is what is the process of regulating our our brain states which then which then spills over into our emotional state which then spills into our nervous system and the and the stress hormones that are released right so it really it really comes i mean you know if we talk about regulating your brain state or regulating your emotional state i, I think we're you know talking about two sides of the same coin here because they go hand in hand but what we really want to do is learn to only operate in this high beta state when we are literally in danger right so if you're if you're driving down the highway and there's a rollover accident in front of you and you're headed straight for it at 80 miles an hour right that is a time to go into the high beta state right immediately what do i need to do right now in this moment i need to act immediately to avoid driving straight into this accident Okay, that is, that is like the, uh, the thing to do in that moment. But when somebody's not texting you or calling you back, you don't need to go into a high beta brainwave state about it. You don't need to go into a, an intense emotional reaction about it. You don't need to flood your body with stress hormones that create a tension like you're not safe that then reverts you back into childhood experience, childhood survival experience that then causes you to act like an unregulated child and then dump that into your relationships and then wonder why it's not working out or not going the way you want it to. I mean, if what I'm saying right now makes sense, just, just tap that heart a few times. Like I want to make sure you're following me here because All of that is not necessary. And what we really want to do is learn to see ourselves in that state and then bring ourselves into a lower beta state or an alpha state, a state where our intuition can come through. So in, in Inspired Love, there are four practices that I, I recommend everybody work with. And uh, for those of you, for the, I know several of you who have already signed up are with me. And hi to you. Thanks for being on with me today. I'm really excited to get started in the program. Um, but there are four practices. And for those of you who have already signed up, when you log into the portal, you're going to find uh, your prep work there ready to go for you. And a big part of the prep work before we start the program is to start working with these four practices. The practices are uh, meditation, physical movement of the body, journaling, and reading, listening to positive material, right? So these are four practices that I recommend you spend some amount of time with every day. I'll say them again, meditation, physical movement of the body, journaling, and reading or listening to positive material. So all of these four practices are aimed at regulating the body. So let me just talk a little bit about each one. Um, I want to start with physical movement because physical movement is, now some of you may have a a workout routine or a practice that you do regularly. If you do, that's awesome. Um, And you don't need to do much more than just have your routine and stick to it. If that's going to the gym, if that's dancing, if that's yoga, if that's Pilates, if that's whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, but you need to physically move the body that is one of the most immediate ways to release the, the energy that builds up. You know, like when, when you go into these high beta states and you get emotionally activated and your anxiety is going a million miles an hour, right? You've, you're, you start to have a tension in the body. There starts to be a buildup of energy in the body and physically moving the body is one of the best ways to just immediately release that energy. You go get on a treadmill, you run for 20 minutes and just see how much of that energy has moved out of your body. Now that's, that's something that we all need to have every day, at least 20 minutes of physical movement because you you just, your body, the systems in your body cannot work properly in terms of regulating in terms of toning down the stress hormones and like in terms of releasing the endorphins you need to feel good like none of this happens without at least 20 minutes of physical movement every day so so that's the first thing just at least 20 minutes of physical movement every day the next thing i'll, I'll talk about meditation now meditation is something like anybody who doesn't meditate always says i'm not good at meditation <laughs> And what I want to say is that meditation is not about being good at it, okay? I've been meditating every day for basically 10 years now. Probably more, it's probably been more than 10 years at this point. And I would still say that I am not good at meditation, okay? So nobody's good at meditation. That's why we need to do it. Because meditation is literally observing yourself. In a, in a high beta brainwave. Now, you might not always be there. And if you're not, that's OK. If you're not in that high beta brainwave, just relax and enjoy your meditation. Just, just enjoy the bliss of it. But most of us, from the time we wake up, we start thinking about, what do I need to do today? What meetings do I have? What appointments do I have? I'm going to see my boss at work. Are they mad at me? Did I did I finish that project I was supposed to do? Oh, that person I'm talking to, did they call? I, I wake up and I immediately check my phone. Did they call? Did they text? And On and on and on and on. Right? From the moment we wake up, most of us are immediately thrown into these high anxiety states. And it's, it's really not your fault. I mean, the world that you've been raised in and that you currently live in is perpetuating this and like pushing this on you all the time. I mean, like you turn on the news, that's, that's high beta energy right there. It's, there was a bomb dropped yesterday, and there are all these refugees, and, and, like, and, and it's horrible. Like I'm, not, I'm not denying that it's horrible. But the energy of it is immediately throwing us in to a survival state. And when we are in a survival state, we're literally not able to access our highest wisdom and make the decisions that would be best for our life and our goals and the things we want to achieve, things we want to create. So meditation is really about recognizing yourself in this high beta state and bringing yourself into an alpha state. And yes, this takes work, right? People people get frustrated with meditation because they sit down, they sit still, they close their eyes, and all they do is get pissed off. Right, and, and believe me, this is me sometimes. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, I would just really love to go do something right now. I just really love to respond to those messages on Instagram. I would just really love to tell that person who pissed me off how I really feel about them. Like, you know, I, I sit down in meditation and and it's always, you know, it's just going, it's going, right? And so it is work. It's a it's a kind of mental discipline to see yourself in this state and and develop the willingness to to drop out of it. And again, remember what I said, we are addicted to our stress hormones the same way people get addicted to drugs, right? By going into this high beta state and activating the emotions that come with that and flooding the body with adrenaline and cortisol, it creates a heightened state that we are all hooked on. And the belief underneath that is that by being in this state, I'm going to get something from it. It's going to get me what I want. By being in this state, I'm going to be able to control force and manipulate circumstances to work out in the way that I want it to. And I just hope that all of you who are listening to this right now are realizing that it does not work. Being in that state only stresses you out. Like you thinking, that you're, that you're going to get into that state and you're going to be able to think of the perfect thing to say to text them that's going to make them want to call you back and get like, it's not going to work, okay? That perfect thing to say, that perfect thing to do, the, the thing that's going to have you really show up as a high value partner that makes people be like, wow, who the hell are you? I want to know. That comes out of the alpha state. That comes out of the intuitive state. It does not come from this high anxiety state. So when you're in meditation and your mind and your ego are telling you, go do this, go do that, Go say this to this person. Call them. Don't, or, or you know, and maybe it's not even about relationships. Maybe it's about at work. Oh, did I get that project done? Is my boss going to be mad at me? And am I going to be on time for it? Am, am I going to be late today? What you know? Or maybe it's about, maybe it's about something going on with your family. and I just can't stand the way my mother talks, and she just, she just always says these things that just get under my skin. And why does she have to be that way? You know, why can't she just get it? And, uh, and, you know, like I mean, it could be all these different things. But it's all coming from the same state, and it's all feeding that addictive stress response that makes you feel like you're gonna be able to get what you want. And you've gotta realize it's just a trap, it's just a hype, it offers you nothing. And so in meditation, what we do is we observe ourselves going into those high anxiety states, those high thinking states, those obsessive reactive states, And then we consciously bring ourselves out of it. Uh, You may have heard it said that the longest distance a human being will ever travel in their life is the 18 inches from their head to their heart. And this is basically what I'm talking about right now, right? It's the 18 inches from a uh, high beta brainwave state to an alpha state, From, from a reactive emotional state to a calm and centered emotional state. And what you've really, what you've really got to do is you've got to create a willingness to let that go. And I know this is where, this is where it's kind of esoteric because, you know, the, there's nothing, there really aren't words to describe what you need to do here. This is something you need to feel your way into. But I've often said it, and some of you have probably heard me say this, is that it's like finding a safe place inside of yourself. I've always said, I've shared this with my clients for years, is you want to find a safe place inside of yourself that no matter what happens in your life, no matter if they text you or if they don't, if they call you or if they don't, if they want to see you again or if they don't, or if, you know, if your boss praises you or if your boss yells at you, or if, if your family is nice and pleasant and happy, or if your family is pissed off and agitated and, and accusatory, right, <laughs> right? But like, no matter what happens, you wanna have a safe place inside yourself that you can always come home to. And this is something that, you know, when I started meditating many years ago, I just, I kind of intuitively felt my way into this. And I didn't know anything about brainwave states I didn't even know anything about inner child healing. This is before I learned all this stuff. But what I knew was I could go into meditation and I could bring myself from an elevated anxiety state to a calm state inside. And I could do that by regulating my breath. I could do that by choosing not to keep thinking these thoughts by saying to myself, these thoughts offer me nothing. These thoughts are not supporting me. They're not helping me get what I want. They're not helping me feel better. They're not helping me be more confident and and really just, really just affirming to myself that remaining in that state offers me nothing. And there's, there is a fear in that, right? There's a fear in that because our egos are so afraid to let go of that state. It's like, again, going back to the tiger analogy, if there's a tiger running after me, I got to get myself up a tree. And I know if I can get myself, can tigers climb trees? Maybe this doesn't work. Let's just go with it. Let's pretend that tigers can't climb trees, okay? They might be able to. I'm not sure. But let's just go with it. If I can get myself up that tree, that I will be safe. And, and I know that there is something I can do to make that situation better. Right. And, and we've got to really understand that that same principle does not apply with these other stresses of our lives. You know, yeah. If there's, if there's somebody behind you with a knife, like get yourself somewhere safe and lock the door and call the police. And yes, like be in a very reactive state in that moment, by all means. But if that's not happening, if you are not in immediate danger, you have to really get it, that being in that state offers you nothing. Being in that state offers you nothing. And when you really when you really get that and you affirm that to yourself, you start to, you start to develop a willingness it's like, if you imagine like your hands are tightly, like I I can't let this go. I just, I got to hang on to it. And then you just start to realize, you know what? I don't need to hang on to it. And you can just kind of loosen your grip and just let it go. And the, the control that you were trying to assert over the situation starts to become a trust that you have in yourself, in life, in God, in the universe, in, in whatever you want to call it, but you start to trust that there is a greater, a greater principle at work here, a greater intelligence, a higher mind, a higher organizing principle, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I like, I really don't care what you call it. You can call it God. You can call it the universe. You can call it Jesus. You can call it Krishna. You can, like, it, it really doesn't matter what you call it, but. What matters is recognizing the presence of this in your life. Recognizing that it is there and it's not up in heaven somewhere, you know, living in the clouds waiting for you to die so you can go be with it. It is right here, right now. It is inside of you. And when you can get out of this highly reactive control state and you can drop into an intuitive state, You are actually in communication with this greater intelligence. You see, from your limited perspective and my limited perspective, I'm not saying, you know, we all have a limited perspective from our, from our ego limited physical reality state. We can't see, we we can't see everything. We can't see it all clearly, we can't understand, we can't understand how this connection is gonna lead to that connection, That's gonna lead to this connection over here, that's gonna put us in the right place at the right time to be on and on and on, right? Like, we can't see all those connections. We can't see how it's all gonna work out. But what I want you to understand is, there is a part of you that can see all of that. There is a part of you that can see how it will all work out how it will all come together, how all the connections are going to take place. And when you get out of that highly reactive control state where you're trying to make it all happen and control it all and you're afraid that it's all going to fall apart and you're trying to hold it together, when you can get out of that state and drop into an intuitive state, you are then in communication with the part of you that can see all of it, that can understand all of it. And then from that place, you can receive information about, call this person, do this thing. You know, I'm I'm having a problem at work and like I just, I'm stressed out about it and I'm afraid of what my boss is going to say and I've been trying everything and I just, I don't know how it's going to work out and I have a lot of stress about it. And then you drop into that intuitive state and all of a sudden you're, you get some kind of idea, some kind of, possibility that was, was never available to you within your control structure. And it just, it comes through and it's, there's not a lot of conversation about it. There's not a lot of convincing. It's just a simple thing like do this, say this, call this person. And then you do it. And then things unfold in a very beautiful, natural, effortless way from there. And you go, wow, you know, like I never would have thought of that. And, and in a way, you didn't think of it. It's like it's like you got out of your thinking and then you received a thought from somewhere else. And that thought was not available to you within the realm of your own common thinking. Joe Dispenza calls it uh, the familiar self. He says this this whole reactive state, the the high beta brainwave, and the emotional reactivity and the stress hormones. What it actually does is it ties you into a familiar version of yourself from your past, from your traumatic childhood, from your trauma that you've experienced, from your disappointment that you've experienced, from your fear that you've experienced. Right? It it locks you into. That past, that version of yourself. And then it has you continue to create your life from that same version of yourself. Um, Those of you who are with me on here, uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, this will be two weeks ago now, but I, I did an episode about how your past is the biggest obstacle to the future that you want to have right? Well, this whole process that I'm talking about right now, this brainwave state, this emotional state, the stress hormones being released in the body, what it does is it locks you into that old version of yourself and has you create your life in the present moment as though you were that past self and you're doing it all over again. So going back to what I was saying about meditation, meditation is you taking time out of your life, taking time out of your day to stop the perpetuation of that reactive cycle and to bring yourself down from these high beta states into an intuitive state. And yeah, those of you who have meditated or have read about meditation, you know, that you are going to jump back into that state about a hundred times. If you if you sit down and meditate for 15 minutes, in the span of 15 minutes, you are going to jump into that high beta state about 15 times. And you're going to be like, oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, well, I wonder how this is going to work out. Well, I wonder how that's going to work out. Oh, well, I wonder if that person is going to call. I wonder what my boss is thinking. I wonder what my brother's thinking. I wonder, uh, And you're just going to jump into that state about a hundred times. And the practice is actually to recognize yourself jumping into that state and bring yourself out of it. Bring yourself back to the present moment. Bring yourself back to the here and now. Bring yourself back to a place where you can say, I trust that whatever is going to happen is going to be okay. I trust that however this is going to unfold or going to play out, is going to be okay. I trust myself and my relationship with the divine or my relationship with spirit, my, my relationship with my own intuition to be able to hear and navigate. And I trust this. So meditation is the practice of doing that and doing that consistently, doing it every day. You know, I, I was just listening to Joe Dispenza's book this morning and he was he was sharing how sometimes when he meditates it takes him an hour to really get into a clear state of presence now this is freaking joe dispenza like and it takes him an hour sometimes to do that he said sometimes he can dive sometimes he can fall into it very quickly sometimes it takes him longer but the reason, the reason I, I bring this up is just to say that, you know, for me, who's been doing it for 10 plus years for him, who's probably been doing it way longer than that. I mean, not probably, I mean, I know he has for other people, for Buddhist monks who have spent their whole life doing it. Like it's not about being done with it or being an expert at it, but it's about the practice of it. And it's about, you know, like uh, like strengthening a muscle. And I, I often use this analogy, You know, the longer you, the longer you work out a certain muscle, the stronger that muscle becomes. Well, your ability to direct your own thoughts is a kind of a muscle. And meditation is your workout for that muscle. It's, it's your workout to close off the outside world, turn your attention towards your inside world, Be aware of what's happening inside and direct the energy there to the places you want it to be, rather than having it automatically directed by your traumatic past, by your pain and your disappointment from your past. So uh, I I mentioned physical movement. I mentioned meditation. The other two, uh, I'm going to just briefly speak into them. These are the four practices that we do in Inspired Love. Uh, journaling and reading or listening to positive material are the other two. And what I just want to say about that is journaling is really about deep processing of your thoughts about really understanding what your thoughts are, where they come from, why they're there, how they, um, how they perpetuate themselves. And when you take what's in your mind and you write it out on paper, and when I journal, I, I journal, um, usually just like a stream of consciousness, just whatever's there. I just let it come out. I'm not trying to get anywhere with it. I'm not trying to solve anything. I'm not trying to figure anything out. I'm not trying to answer any questions. I'm just taking what's in my consciousness and letting it out on paper. Or I actually, I journal on my phone, so I'm letting it out with my fingers, right? (laughs) But, but I'm just, I'm letting it out and I'm just letting it flow and what's actually happening is i am understanding my own thoughts in a deeper way as i'm releasing them out of my mind onto paper it's kind of like it's kind of like pulling back the curtain on the wizard of oz right you know the your ego is kind of like the wizard behind the curtain and it's sending you all these messages and it's telling you all these things and it's flooding your body with these feelings and these hormones and, and you know, the ego is is like the wizard behind the curtain. And when the wizard's behind the curtain, you believe everything it says. Well, journaling is kind of like opening up the curtain. And when you just let what's happening on the inside, you just let it kind of fall out. You let it come out. Then what happens is, is you start to see it clearly. You start to understand it in a different way. You start to recognize the processes that are taking place. You start to recognize how the thoughts compound each other, how they connect together, how they perpetuate themselves, how they perpetuate that state. And you just start to see the whole situation so much more clearly. I would say journaling is actually a great exercise for, for without, with all like all you have to do is write. And just by writing, you will kind of naturally fall from a high beta state into a low beta state or an alpha state. Because it it just, it, it naturally does it on its own. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you have a bunch of energy pent up in the body and then you go for a run or you put on some music and you dance it out. Journaling is kind of like doing that for your mind. It's like just, just moving the energy out where in your mind it was this big, convoluted, mysterious, scary mess. And then you get it out on paper and you see like, oh, there's really nothing there. It's just a bunch of thoughts. So journaling is a huge practice for that. Uh, The last one is reading, listening to positive material. And I'm not gonna speak long about this one, but I'm just gonna say that most of what you receive in your daily life is highly negative. From the songs you hear on the radio, to the images you see on TV, to the things you read about in books, to the to what you see and hear about on the news, to what your coworkers are saying at work, to what your family is saying when you talk to them. I mean, most of the information that you receive is toxic, highly negative, highly generated by people's own survival mechanism by people's own fear, by people's own need for control, by people's own desire to manipulate. And so I really suggest two things. One is reading and listening to positive material every day. Two is detoxing from negative material. So cut out the violent television. I I, I saw a meme once, uh, it just cracked me up and it was, the meme was talking about women, but it goes for women and men. Um, but I, I think it said, uh, I think it said, ladies be so, uh, what was it? It was ladies be like, I have so much anxiety after drinking their second large ice coffee and listening to a murder documentary. <laughs> and, and again, I, I, the, the meme was about women, but I think it goes for women and men because men do the same stuff. Men do it probably, you know, in terms of the violent television and stuff, men probably do it way worse than women do. But it's, you know, if you think about like this society, that we live in and you know from the moment we wake up we're we're drinking a cup of coffee which literally puts your body into a stress response like like caffeine literally releases cortisol in the body it, it puts your body into a stress response And then, so we we wake up first thing in the morning, we chemically put our body into a stress response. And then we go and we turn on the news and we hear about all the horrible things that are happening in the world. And then, you know, we go to work and we hear all the negative talk and all the judgment and criticism and all the people talking about the date they had with this loser and what a blah, 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 just, or people talking about, you know, my wife and I were in the orange theory line one day. And the woman next to us is just completely trash talking her husband to, to her friend there. And, and I get it. Like, they're probably not happy in their marriage and and I feel for them, but it's like, it's like, you know, I just wonder for someone like that, do you ever stop back and look at your life? Like, do you ever question why you're married to someone that you feel the need to trash talk them? And, and if, if you're, if you're like, if that's who you're married to, you should either get unmarried to them, or figure out how to create this relationship in such a way that you don't want to talk shit about them all the time. But do we even stop and look at our lives and ask ourselves why we're doing this, why we're being this way, or are we just on automatic all the time? And so detox the negative information you receive. And then in place of that, go out of your way to fill your mind with positive information, which those of you who are listening right now, that's what you're doing. So you know awesome job you're you're already on track with that right but but that's that so these four practices and as i was saying earlier these are recommended practices for everybody as we go through the inspired love program but these four practices are the things that are that are going to regulate you And it's not about doing any of them perfectly. It's not about, you know, okay, I did it for six months and now I'm good and I don't have to do it anymore. It's actually about incorporating these practices into your life. So you start to create your life from a very conscious, intentional and intuitive place rather than a reactive, fearful and defensive place. So I'm going to open up for some questions here in a moment. And I I just, I I want to end with this. You know, if if I were to take everything I've talked about today and really kind of sum it up into one thing, left to your own devices, and and I say this about myself too, left to my own devices, I would be a lunatic, okay? I would be full of anxiety, I would be trying to control everything. I would be trying to force things that weren't working. I would be upset about things not going my way. Like, left to our own devices, that's who we become. And I want everybody to hear this. It is not your fault that that's what happens. It is not not that there is something wrong with you and that's why you do it. The reason it happens is because everybody's doing it and the entire culture around us is operating this way. And so we naturally, without even trying to, we pick up on that. You see, you you are not an isolated being in your own body making your own decisions, living your own life. I know it appears to be that way on the surface, but there's a very fluid connection between you and everyone and everything around you. You know, go hang out with some really negative people for a week and tell me that that didn't like completely bring you down. It did. And in a a certain sense, every time you go to the grocery store, you're hanging out with a bunch of negative people. You know, every time you go to work, you're hanging out with a bunch of negative people. Every time you sit in traffic, you're hanging out with a bunch of negative people. And there's a very fluid relationship between you and every other aspect of your life and everyone and everything in it. And the energy among all of it is is flowing between each other. And you are picking up on it. And left to your own devices, left to my own devices, we will get caught up in the rip stream of life and we will become crazy just like everyone else is. And so what really what really needs to happen is for us to develop practices to, to cultivate the state we want to be in on a consistent basis, to cut the things out of our life that prevent us from being in that state. And to and to more and more, as you go through life as you get older, as you, as you step more and more into your commitments and what really matters to you to make the most important thing in your life be your own state of peace inside of you rather than getting what you want on the outside. And and I want to say the reason I'm, I'm going to definitely say this about the United States and I think it applies to many other places in the world too. I don't necessarily think it applies to all places. I think some places have very different cultures. But definitely in the Western world and in other westernized places, we are so obsessed with getting what we want. And the most important thing to us is getting what we want. And we sacrifice our inner peace for it we sacrifice an internal state of peace to try to get what we want. And the irony is, is that when you get to a state of internal peace, one, you realize that you already have a lot of the things that you want. Two, you see a pretty clear path to getting anything you want that you don't currently have. And there's not really any anxiety around it. It's just, it all feels good. So so I want to end with that, or or I'm going to take some questions, but I want to end the message with that and, and just say, above all else, prioritize your peace. Prioritize your regulated system. Prioritize feeling safe and whole within your own body. Feeling safe and whole and connected within your own body. And then let every other aspect of your life come from that place. All right. All right. So I, I've seen a lot of questions uh, coming in and I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to go back and, and get to some of them. Um, those of you who have questions now would be a great time to just drop them in the comments. Okay. I want to speak into this one. This is from Van Henten Yolanda and i um, I know that I, I've seen you've dropped a bunch of comments, and but this is one that really stood out to me, and I want to speak into this one. You say, I have always been codependent. I'm trying to heal my inner child with my therapist. I met a man, but he also did the work. Now he said, we wait and see when you've healed your codependency. Okay, um, and then you have another one. He says, he doesn't want a relation without... He doesn't want a relation... I'm not really understanding what you said here. You say, he doesn't want a relation from out of codependency, but from love. Oh, I I see. Okay. Do you understand him? Can I trust it? Okay. Got it. Got it. Great question. Great question. So basically this guy said, this guy said let's wait and see after you've healed your codependency and then, and then we'll see where our relationship stands because I want a relationship that's based in love, not codependency. Okay. Well, I think this is a little bit misguided and this sounds to me like when people, when people start doing the work and this was definitely me when I started working on myself is I thought I was way more enlightened than I actually was. And I got kind of righteous about it and I got kind of judgy about it and I got kind of like, um, looking at other people, like, oh well, why, why haven't you done the amount of work that I've done? And you know, you need to get it together. And uh, you know that that I kind of went there with it for a while. And as I've matured, and as I've done more work on myself, and as I've I've started to understand the human condition in a deeper sense, I've realized that uh, that was very ignorant and arrogant of me. <laughs> And that's not really the way it works, right? So wait until your codependency is healed. Well, I don't know if that day is going to come. And maybe it will, I don't want to say for sure. But I, I think the, quote, healing of it all, getting rid of it all is is a, a little bit of a trap and a, and. And like it it lacks compassion to what we're really going through and what we're really dealing with because you know i don't know if we heal codependency as much as we learn to recognize it within ourselves and learn to learn to uh make better decisions about it learn to regulate ourselves within our codependent reactions, learn to act in ways that don't necessarily reinforce the codependency. And I want to say through many years of becoming more conscious about it, learning how to regulate yourself, making different choices through, through many years of this, you might get to a place where it's so irrelevant for you that it's almost like it's completely healed. But at the same time, I want to say that's a part of you. And, you know, like I know you mentioned inner child healing, like with inner child healing, the the aim is not to get rid of your wounded inner child. You're not trying to kill your wounded inner child. That's what your ego wants to do, right? Your ego is so ashamed of your wounded inner child and, and like the sensitivity and the neediness, that like your ego actually does want to kill your wounded inner child. It just wants to get rid of it. But that's not really how we heal. The healing of it comes from recognizing the sensitivity, recognizing the the need and the want and the feeling of emptiness and, and the fear of abandonment and the fear of aloneness. And, and the healing comes from recognizing that and meeting it with love and care and tenderness and saying, Hey, I got you. It's okay. You know, I'm here for you. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to get through this together and, and you are enough. So it's, there's a, there's a kind of validating and, and reinforcing and loving. And, and, you know, you actually, you meet that needy, sensitive, vulnerable self with love. And then as you learn to meet that part of yourself with love, the intense emotions that come from that part of yourself are not as heightened and then love overall is more accessible for you and you can bring love to a relationship more so the the reason going back to the question the the point of caution that I would coach you on and that I would I would say for him as well is that It's not about waiting until you're healed to get into a relationship, but it's about developing a stronger sense of awareness about yourself, about your patterns, about your habits, about your uh, insecurities and your fears and your doubts. It's about developing a greater awareness, learning how to be with it, and then learning how to make better choices around it. And what I say in the Inspired Love program is that, you know, the, the aim of the program is to create a holy relationship, right? That's what, that's what it's really about is, is we create a holy relationship, a relationship based in wholeness, a relationship based in completeness, a relationship based in love, right? And that's what I call a holy relationship. But what I say in the program is that none of you are going to find a holy relationship, but what you're going to do is you're going to work on yourself to a certain extent and then you're going to find someone else who has also worked on themselves to a certain extent. And then you're going to come together and together you are going to walk towards holiness together. So a a relationship doesn't happen when you are completely healed or I should say a conscious loving relationship doesn't happen when you are completely healed but it happens at a certain stage on your healing journey and it's kind of like it's kind of like you've stepped now into the next phase of it where okay you know there was a phase of it where i was alone with myself and i had to be with myself and all my experiences then there was a phase of it when i was maybe in a relationship that wasn't meant to be and i had to experience myself and all my stuff within that environment and i had to learn how to be with that and then there was maybe a, a phase of going through a breakup, going through heartbreak, and, and having to learn to be with myself within a heartbreak. And then there was maybe a phase of like dating around and maybe dating four or five different people and and you know going on different dates with different people and just figuring out what I like and what I don't like and what feels good and what doesn't feel good, learning how to say no to what I don't want. And there are all these different stages, right? And then after you've kind of graduated from all these different stages, the next stage is, okay, here's a partner that I have real lifetime potential with and that we're both conscious enough to do the work together, to understand each other's inner child needs, to understand each other's fears and insecurities, and to learn how to meet those with love and trust and compassion. And you know, it's not like you're dumping it all on your partner because you've learned how to do the work yourself, but also they will get some of it and they've done enough work themselves to kind of know how to be with it to a degree. And it doesn't mean it's always easy. I mean, if I told you about some of the things me and my wife have been through, like it is not always easy, but we were both at a certain stage in our life and in our own development where we were ready to take that step with each other. And and so then the next stage of, of healing is what happens in the relationship. Now, to go back to the question, I can't say if you are in the stage where you're ready for that or not. I don't know. Like, only you can really answer that. And I mean, really, what will answer it is is whether it happens or not, right? But if I were you, I would go to this person and say, this is what I would say. I would say I totally understand that you feel that way and I totally respect that. But you know, if I can offer another perspective on it, I feel like I am doing everything I can to heal my inner child and and to work with my codependency. And I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing everything I can. But I do feel like I am in a place where I can work with this in a relationship with someone else. And I need a partner who is conscious enough to be able to do their own work as well, and when things come up in our relationship, to be able to work through that in a conscious way. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to be completely healed and find someone who's completely healed so we never have any problems in our relationship. I'm looking for someone who is conscious enough to work through the difficulties that are going to come up in relationship in a very conscious and loving and supportive way. And so if you're open for that kind of relationship, I would love to explore it with you. And if you're not, then to be honest with you, we're probably not a great fit. I would say something like that. And let that take you wherever it goes. Let it, Let it, yeah, let it take you, let it take the relationship wherever it goes. And then trust the outcome because this is what I want you to understand. You don't need him. I want everyone to get this. You don't need him or her, whoever's hearing this, whoever that person is that's on your mind right now. You don't need them. And it's okay to maybe want them. It's okay to say, I really like this person. They have a lot of qualities that I imagine my ideal partner would have. I enjoy our conversations together. I enjoy the time we spend together. I I enjoy laughing with them. I'm attracted to them. I find them super sexy. I want to get in their pants, right? Like it's okay to feel all of that and to think all of that and to have all of that happening for you, but just balance it with I don't need them. And so if none of that happens, I'll be okay, right? Just balance it. That's the important thing. All right. Great question. I'm I'm so glad you you jumped in with that. That was awesome. Okay. So here's a question. Anda Via says, what about jealousy and trying to control things? Does that come from a place of stress? Yes, absolutely. Jealousy and trying to control things is exactly that, right? Like let's, let's think about what jealousy is. Okay. If we, if we want to just talk about this for a moment. And so if you're, if you're once sitting around wondering like, are they talking to someone else, you know, or, or, or what's going on there or, or, you know, who's that, who's that person in that picture with them on social media and like, and then it's activating that survival response inside of you. Right. Or who's this person who texted them? I saw a text pop up on their phone. Who is that, right? It's activating that survival response inside of you. So that is everything I was talking about earlier. That that is exactly that. And what jealousy really is, if we break it down, one, it's like the fear that it's not gonna work out and you're gonna end up alone, right? So it's, it's basically the fear that your fear is gonna come true. If, you, if you're afraid that I'm going to end up alone, well, you get jealous, basically. It's like, I like this person. They're my chance at love, and I'm afraid it's not going to work out. And so it's like the fear that your fear is going to come true. It's also the fear that you're not enough. So it's a worthiness thing, right? It's the fear that I'm not enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not, you know engaging enough or whatever that that they're going to lose interest in me because I'm not enough. Right? So jealousy is all about you seeing yourself through your past identity, through the, through, as I said earlier, the familiar self, it's what Joe Dispenza calls it, the familiar self that you've known yourself to be based on your past, Jealousy is literally you seeing yourself within all of your limiting beliefs and limiting ideas about yourself, and then projecting that into the future or into this relationship with this person and fearing that the the limited identity about yourself is gonna once again be validated in this relationship. And when when you operate in a relationship from that limited identity, you will have this relationship show up in such a way that it reinforces that identity. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this opportunity because there was a, there was a post I put up on social media this week and there were, there were a lot of people who got really upset about it and they, they didn't like what I said in the post. And, um, anyway, they, they said some kind of mean things about me, which is okay. I don't take it personally. But I I don't, so for anybody who's listening right now, I just wanna say this, I don't respond to comments. And 90% of the time, every now and then I will, but 90% of the time I don't. And the reason I don't, and I'm gonna share this, is because I have learned that from my own mental health and my own needing to stay in a regulated state for myself and needing to focus on my message and my work and putting out there the content that, that I think really matters, Getting involved in the comments does not serve that, does not support me, and therefore doesn't serve you either. So that's why 90% of the time, I don't even read the comments. But I happened to read these and they were, they were kind of nasty and they wanted a response from me and they were mad that I wasn't giving a response. But I wanna, I wanna speak into to what I said because the, so the post said this. It said the most painful part is if you had just been you and let them be them, without attachment to it working out one way or the other. They just might have seen how amazing you truly are. And they just might have fallen in love with you. And a lot of people got upset about this post because they said it was blaming. They said it was shaming. But all I was really doing with that post, and if anybody felt blamed or shamed by that, I want to apologize because I was not blaming or shaming anyone. But all I was doing with that post was pointing out if you had not acted from this high anxiety, control, manipulation, forcing things place, if you had not come from that place, if you had been grounded in an intuitive place, if you had been grounded in a a place where you feel good about who you are and you were confident expressing that, that all of the things that transpired in that relationship that caused that person to go away or caused them to lose interest or all of that, that you would that everything that is amazing about you would not have been overshadowed by that and that person just maybe i didn't say definitely but i said just maybe that person would have seen that and they would have fallen in love with it and what I, what i want everybody to hear in this is that that old familiar self the self you've known to be based on your past the self that you got Uh, traumatized in high school when you were cheated on or when your friends threw a party and didn't invite you to it or when the you know cutest boy or girl in school made fun of you in front of everyone or when your parents beat you or when you were molested or whatever it is that old self that you know yourself to be is not you is not you but when you operate in these high anxiety states that is who you become. You revert back to that traumatized state to that survival state. And then all of your relationships and not even relationships, I mean, it it shows up in business, it shows up at work, it shows up in friendships, but every external aspect of your life, is going to show up reflective of that old familiar self. And jealousy is exactly that. So going back to the question. Jealousy is exactly that. Jealousy is you being thrown into a survival response. You being thrown into your old familiar self and then engaging with the relationship from that self. And you overshadow everything that is amazing about you when you do that and then what people get are really the worst aspects of you. They get the fear-based qualities. They get the uncertain qualities. They get the unconfident qualities. They get the doubtful qualities. They get the manipulative qualities. They get the dishonest qualities because that is what survival breeds. And, And I like, this is the thing people say the post was blaming and shaming. And, and I want everyone to hear this. I'm not blaming you for this. I'm just bringing awareness to what is happening. It's actually not your fault. It's the world's fault, right? Like we were all born into it and we picked it up. So it's not your fault, I'm not blaming you for it, but I am bringing awareness to what is happening. And by bringing awareness to what is happening, you can start to make new decisions that will lead you more towards the things you really want to have in life, more towards the relationships and connections that you really want to have, okay? So great question. Thank you for asking about that with jealousy. Um, awesome, awesome question. Okay. So Robin Simmons says, I would like you to talk about wanting revenge and telling his new supply that he cheated on her while using me. I really want that kind of karma. I really want that karma to hit the, okay, got it. So he cheated on you and you really want to get revenge by going and telling her that he cheated on her, um, while using you. Okay. Well, so a couple of things in this question, a couple of things. One is revenge is not good energy. So let's just start with that. Like, uh, so if we, if we go back to what we're talking about, what brain state does re- revenge get you into? High beta, high beta, stress, control, Now, that want to get revenge by telling her that he cheated on her with me is your ego in its control mechanism, in its stress response, wanting to do something to control the situation and force a certain outcome on it. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that you should tell her or you shouldn't tell her. The answer to that question is going to come from the intuitive place. Okay, the answer to that question is going to come from when you get grounded in an intuitive place and you really just want to know, should I tell her or not? Not from my desire to get revenge. Not from my need to control the situation and hurt him the way he hurt me and get back at him and punish him right? Not from that, but just from, again, as I said earlier, tapping into that higher mind, tapping into that part of yourself that has more wisdom about the situation than you do, that can see all the different aspects of it, that can, that can see the greater picture, that can see how it's all going to work out for anyone. And when you get into an intuitive place, you can receive information from that part of yourself. So by dropping out of the anxiety state, by dropping out of the fear state, dropping into an intuitive state, and then asking, should I tell her? Not with the intention to hurt anybody, not with the intention to get revenge, not with the intention to control the situation and make something happen, but simply with the intention to bring about what is best for everybody involved. Now the truth is, he might need a lesson right now, and you might be the one to teach it to him. And you might teach him the lesson that he needs by telling her what he did. That might be what needs to happen here. But you can't really know that from a survival state, from a stress response from a trying to control and force and punish and and get him back. You can't really know what needs to happen here. But by dropping into an intuitive state and getting clear and feeling a sense of peace around the situation, you can know what needs to happen here. And you can know if it's your role in this time to teach him this lesson. So that's how I would answer that. You know, these, these states like revenge, jealousy, anger, bitterness, regret, shame, you you know, all these, all these emotions, they are all tied to the old self. And going back to, you know, the, the session we did a couple weeks ago, like your past is the obstacle to everything you want in your life. And any thought, feeling, emotion that you, any thought, feeling, or emotion that you are carrying with you that is tying you to that past is gonna create more of that past in your current life. You see, here's the thing about revenge the more you embody revenge, the more you keep that energy of revenge inside your body, the more you embody a vibrational state that is gonna create more situations that make you wanna get revenge. The more you reinforce that identity that says that that's who you are, that that's what you deserve, that that's all you can have, that's all you're gonna get, the longer you stay in that state, the longer you entertain those emotions, the longer you let those thoughts consume you, is, is the longer that you're gonna be embodying a vibration that's gonna bring more of that into your life. So I, I just I just want to say that, that you know, revenge is not good energy, and and there's it's understandable and it's valid. Like I, I don't want to invalidate your emotion or or take take that away from you. But I do want to say that at the end of the day, you want to hurt him. And the only person you're really hurting is you. That's what I want to say. I, I see some of you speaking into uh, you loving my posts and uh, you get excited when you see them. So just uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And it's not, I wasn't asking for that, but I, I do appreciate the validation. It helps my inner child, right? So thank you. Um, so Robin, that's what I would say. That's what I would say to that question and, you know, sending, sending you love. I know, I know you must be in a lot of pain right now. And, you know, going back to what we've talked about in previous sessions is like, you want to be with that pain. You want to be with your own emotion. You want to, you know, process it, let it move through you. You want to feel it. You want to honor yourself and the feelings that you're having, but the anger or bitterness towards someone else, the judgment towards someone else, that is, that is only hurting you. And so I'll leave it at that sending lots of love and thanks for asking the question. Um, okay. Jojo asks, how do I stop ruminating on my husband walking out on our family and still in a relationship with the mistress and her being around our young kids? I'm numb and angry simultaneously, but I want peace. All right, Jojo. I know we've talked about this before, and um, sending sending love to you as sending love to you as you go through this. Like, I mean, just like I want to acknowledge. Like, we're talking about how to get free. We're talking about how to deal with this stuff. And at the same time, like, I want to acknowledge that what you're going through, like the situation like Jojo brought up or what Robin was talking about, like these are really, really hard. And you are going to have very intense emotional responses to them. And so I don't want to invalidate those responses. And I don't want to have any kind of judgment around you having those responses, but I, I at the same time, want you to, I, I want to give you a powerful way to work through them and I want you to identify what is healthy and what is not. So yeah, I mean, he leaves your family, joins the, joins the mistress, starts a new family. Now your kids are, I mean like that is going to trigger so much feelings of unworthiness, so much feelings of, did I do something wrong? Did I, you know, like it's, it's going to trigger all of that. And you know, your question was, how do I stop ruminating on it? I want peace. Well, I love that you said I want peace because that is, that is the most important thing to start with is I want peace, right? One of my goals for this year, actually, I put it on my intentions when I was, when I was creating intentions for the new year. And one of my intentions was this year to really get to a place where my peace is more important to me than anything else. That's really what I want to work on this year. And, you know, Jojo, you recognizing that you want that, that you want peace, that you want to let this go. That is amazing. And what I want you to do is start to say that to yourself constantly. I want peace. I want peace. Okay. I want peace. I want peace. I want peace. Just, just all the time when the thoughts come up and the ruminating comes up, just say to yourself, I want peace. Now you do have the power. And this is where meditation is really going to support you. You do have the power to pull your thoughts away from those ideas and direct them to other places. But the reason you struggle to do that is because you have so much momentum behind this, right? You have, you have years of, of being told that cheat, being cheated on is a very, very bad thing. And in all the movies, people cheat and it's just a very, very bad thing when people cheat. You have, you know, the input from things that maybe happened when you were younger in high school or among your family or things you saw with your parents growing up or things, you know, you have all this input and all this information that gives it meaning and gives it weight and and gives it, gives it like makes it painful, right? You have... uh, you have your own feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, unworthiness, and all of that comes up. And And so a situation like this, it's so personal. I mean, this was your spouse. This is the father of your children. This is like, it's so deep. It's so personal. Like I just I want to say like, I can't even imagine how much it must hurt and how much pain you must feel around it. Like it must just be so hard. But your thoughts are energy. And because you've been programmed throughout your life to perceive an experience like this, as though it's a very, very bad thing. And you've been programmed to tie your worth up in if he wants you or not. And you've been programmed to view yourself as somebody who, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm wanted by my partner, I'm worthy, and if they want someone else, I'm unworthy. And there's all this programming. And by the way, this isn't just you. This is me, this is all of us, right? Like Like, I don't think there's a single person out there who would go through what you went through and not feel the way you're feeling about it. So it's not just you, it's all of us, right? But we've gotta understand what's actually happening here is you have your entire life worth of momentum and programming that is telling you to think this way about this situation. And so from the moment you wake up in the morning, before you you've even taken a conscious breath, your thoughts are already going there. It's, it's years of momentum, just pushing your thoughts in that direction. And so your question is, how do I stop ruminating? How do I find peace? You find peace by, and, and I would say, the four exercises, the four practices that I outlined earlier, um, meditation, physical movement, journaling, and reading or listening to positive material. um, I would definitely recommend that you, you spend time with all four of those things right now. Definitely. As much time as you can, like any, any free time you have, I would, I would be doing one of those four things with it. But meditation in particular, I think is going to be a really powerful place for you to work with. Because, and I spoke into about it earlier, so I'm not going to, excuse me, I'm not going to go too much into it now. But when you go into meditation, your practice is actually to observe your thoughts going in this direction. Observe the momentum that's behind them. and, And start to interrupt it. So start to bring your attention to this breath. Try to put all of your attention on your inhale. And then all of your attention on your exhale. And then all of your attention on your inhale and all of your attention on your exhale and then your mind goes, Oh, but it hurts so bad. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe what he did to our family and okay, inhale, exhale. Try to put all of Your attention on your inhale and on your exhale but it's just so unfair, and how could this happen, and I thought we were gonna to be together, and I and, 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 okay, inhale, exhale. You see, there's a very deep belief that you can't let that go, that you can't let the ruminating go. There's a very deep belief that the ruminating is gonna somehow give you some kind of solution, make you feel better about it, get it back, get the relationship back, or 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 maybe you don't want it back, but maybe just, just get to where you wanna go in some way, right? But there's there's a very deep belief that you're getting something from this ruminating. And that's why all of your thoughts are going in that direction so automatically. It's because this is how you've been programmed to think and react to a situation like this. And so we don't really feel safe taking our attention off of it when you, when you try to like say, okay, I'm just going to focus on this breath, this moment right here, right now, there's a part of your mind that won't let it go. There's, there's an addiction to the stress response and the adrenaline and the cortisol that's going through your body. And there, there's an addiction to the way that that makes you feel and the feeling that by feeling that way, you can do something about it. And it's, it's really just about and I feel like you're on track here with you saying, I want peace, right? So there's a a way of you know, affirming that idea constantly. I want peace, I want peace, I want peace, I want peace. When you're meditating and you see your mind going to that place, you say, I want peace, I want peace, I want peace. That can be your mantra, just say it over and over again. I want peace. Try to put all your attention on the words, I want peace, I want peace, I want peace, I want peace. And as you, as you practice this, it, it, it is literally a rewiring of your brain. You are literally rewiring your brain. Uh, uh, then Henten Yolanda says, "Say I am peace. That's, that's a great thing. Yeah, probably even better, right? I am peace. I am peace. So you can say what resonates for you. But but the point is is to is to rewire your thinking." And, and then you start to realize, you know what? It's not, it's not just about having an idea about it, but it's about physiologically, inside your body, feeling the safety that comes with that peace. And if you could feel that for five minutes today, you know, if you if you could meditate for 15 minutes and for five of those minutes you actually felt at peace, because you're gonna go back and forth, Right? You're going to come out of it, you're going to go into it, you're going to come out of it, you're going to go into it. But if you could feel peace for five minutes of that time, a part of you would start craving that again. And so you're going to start, oh, I, just, I, I want to meditate. You know, I have, I have gotten to the place for myself now where anytime I feel anxiety, I feel pressure, I feel stress, there is automatically something inside of me that says, I want to meditate right now because I know that if I could just find 15 minutes of quiet to sit and to regulate my body and to, and to direct my thoughts consciously, that I will feel much better and I will feel more equipped to handle whatever situation is causing me pressure. So you want to start working on that, you know, I understand you have a lot of momentum going right now. I understand it's not going to happen immediately. But if you could find five minutes of peace today, you will start craving it tomorrow. And you will start wanting it more and more and more and more. And you will start just, you'll start thinking to yourself, like, I just can't wait to get home and sit down and just find my safe space in meditation. So that's, That's the, that's the advice. And, and I want to say, like, like I said, there's, there's not a single one of us here who would not be feeling what you're feeling if we were going through what you were going through right now. So that's how you walk towards it. And in the meantime, be very, be very gentle with yourself and everything you experience in the process. Be very kind, be very compassionate, be very loving, right so don't um don't beat yourself up like that that's the worst thing you could do why am i not over this yet why have i not blah 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 why ha, you know why is this happening why you know like just try to instead of that just feel it and it's okay and i love you and i'm here with you and it's okay just try to speak to yourself like that all right, everyone, that's going to be the last question for today. I'm going to wrap it up here. Thanks for being with me today. I do want to do one shout out real quick. So for those of you who are live with me now, um, this episode right here is going to be next week's episode on the podcast. And this this week, so today the episode we're uploading is a special interview I did with my friend Michael about why men commit and why they don't. So Michael is a men's coach he, he's a men's success coach he's worked with hundreds thousands of men from all over the world um, He's really he's really really great. He's a close friend of myself and my wife he's actually the one who married us in Montana um, He's a great guy and I really wanted to have a conversation with him and pick his brain about why men commit and why they don't you know from his perspective working with you know thousands and thousands of men like what is it? that's going on for a man that leads him to want to commit or not. And, uh, and so we had a really great conversation about it. Um, this is a powerful podcast episode. So that one is not going to be streamed live here on Instagram, but it will be, uh, it will be available later today on the podcast. So, um, if anyone wants to check that out, it's, uh, it's going to be available later today on the podcast. Um, for those of you who are not aware, you can uh, subscribe to the Conscious Love Show now on all major platforms. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Google, it's on Amazon, it's on iHeartRadio, it's on all the other ones. Um, so you can find the Conscious Love Show on all major platforms. Um, please subscribe, please share it with your friends, tell them all about it. Um, I'd, love to, I'd love to reach as many people as we can with that. And uh, Michael's interview is gonna be available later today, this afternoon. That'll be ready for you. All right, everybody, sending so much love. Happy, uh, I guess we're pretty much beyond the happy new year at this point, but happy Tuesday. Hope everyone's getting off your week to a great start. And we'll see you back here next week. Sending you lots of love. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.